Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Austin Linney with uh, Construct Your Life podcast. Uh, I'm so grateful here to uh, have Pace uh, join me today. How are you doing, Pace? Bro, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming in, guys. And so a lot of you know me, and a lot of you know that I work. I have multiple businesses. Uh, I work a lot. Uh, this guy makes me look like I'm standing still. Uh, his, <laughs> his Instagram gives me hyper... I hyperventilate on his Instagram because he's all over the place. Uh, so Pace is... I mean, where do I start? He He's on every podcast you see, real estate investor, owns multiple companies, creative financing, so many things. Uh, why don't you tell the, the people how you got started, uh, what you're doing today, and, and kind of the road that you've taken? I know you were a contractor for a long time as well. So. You know, um, I was a contractor for 10 years. In fact, I just finally got rid of my license 30 days ago. Um, after a long, long battle with myself about getting rid of it, but I was a licensed contractor for a long time. I got into that game by, um, somebody suggesting to me to go fix and flip houses. So I was in a partnership and I was raising capital for this partnership. I was traveling the country and I was raising, uh, we put a, an offering together and I raised about $20 million for a business. What happened is my partnership at the time, I won't name the business and what I was doing because I don't want to get them in trouble, but my partners, as I was traveling the country, were embezzling the cash that I was raising, right? So like I'd be in Florida Friday, I'd get a check from an investor for $250,000 and by Monday they were saying, oh, hey, Pace, we're out of money. I'm like, you guys blew through $250,000? Like, well, our suppliers needed to be front loaded on this, this, and this. And I just, you know, being the good partner I am, I just continue to go raise capital. Anyway, very long story short, I um, went to one of my investors who had raised, uh, been part of the deal. He was about a million dollars of that business. Um, and I went to him and I said, hey, this is what's going on. And he said, this is what you need to do. I, he helped me structure an exit and we fixed all the problems that were going on. It was, there was no legal issues. We figured it all out. However, he was a home flipper. And I said, all right, well, now off to my next thing. I'm going to go raise money for somebody else. He goes, dude, don't raise money for somebody else. Go flip houses like I do and don't have any partners, don't have any employees, and just live an awesome life. And I'm like, okay. So I grew up in a, construct a contractor's household, so I knew um, what I was doing. And I grew up you know, in on weekends and nights. I would go help my dad paint, and, and I'd help him do drywall and framing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I started my own, I did my first flip about four miles south of me right here. And I did the work myself because it was just my first flip. And I get a call from a big company named Wedgwood. And Wedgwood calls me on my listing and they go, hey, we, we're in need of contractors. Who's your contractor? We need a referral. Like they, were, they didn't even care about the house. They cared about who was the contractor. And I said, oh, I was the guy. Long story short, they ended up getting me in business. They helped me get my license. And then a much longer story short, Open Door, OfferPad, and Zillow ended up hiring me as their main contractor for Phoenix. Okay. So I built a very large company. We did like 7,000 renovations. I opened up Dallas for Open Door. I opened up Vegas for Open Door and Zillow. 
Um, and we really expanded and grew that business. And then, um, obviously I was so busy doing renovations for other people. I wasn't, I no longer was fixing, flipping my own houses. I was just building my own construction company. The problem with construction companies is that they, there are so many moving parts that there is no end to your day. So for 10 years of doing that, it was nonstop. I mean, three o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night for years. And so one of the other ways I would get clientele is I would utilize my Instagram to do before and after photos. Obviously, really great way to get your business out there for contractors. Well, that ended up growing my clientele, growing my clientele until 2018. Um, actually, look, I'll jump on the, I'll jump on 2018 in a second. In 2017, I had a client come to me. I was fixing and flipping houses for, and she was a we buy ugly houses franchise owner. And she said, I'm selling my franchise. My husband and I are going to go retire. I want to finance you to become a we buy ugly houses person because I see how hard you work and I think you would absolutely crush it. So literally I've been in the wholesale game for 38 months. Okay. So from 2017, when I bought her franchise, January, 2017, until now, that's 36, 37 months, or I'm sorry, 38 months. I was wholesaling 40 hours a week and I was running my construction company another 60, 65 hours a week. What happened is uh, right at the same time as 2017 happened and I started wholesaling, I got a hold of a, uh, of a customer that picked me up off my Instagram, my before and afters. He comes to me and he's like, hey, if you help me fund my projects, I'll pay you a little bit more money on the back end on my fix and flips. So what ended up happening is over the course of two years, maybe two and a half years, I took over $1.5 million in my wholesale money and funded his projects, which he ultimately bankrupted me and 40, he didn't bankrupt me, he bankrupted, he filed bankruptcy on me and 48 other people. So that was 2018. Uh, end of 2018. So about a two year run with him. So all the money I made in wholesale in 2017 and all the money I made in wholesale in 2018, um, basically vanished because this guy sends me a letter two days after my babe, my daughter's born and said, Hey, all the money I, I said I was going to pay you. Um, I'm filing bankruptcy. Right? So because of that, I now decided I want to be completely out of construction. I want to be completely out of construction. I'm done with it. It took me a year to shut that down because of how big we were. Mm -hmm. But in that time frame, because I no longer was spending time advertising, you know, kissing clients' asses, collecting bills or any of that kind of stuff, I had so much extra time that from September 2018 up until now, I have been full-time real estate investing, um, which is my full-time thing. And now because I've been able to rub shoulders with the right people and instead of spending all my energy in the wrong bucket. So this is like a mindset thing. There's a lot of people out there that are like tied to the bucket that they're currently tied to, you know, the basket with all the, their eggs in it, whether it's, you know, I'm a school teacher and this is what I know. So I'm going to stick with it because that's all I know. I was that person for eight, nine years as a contractor. Granted, in 2015, I made a million dollars as a contractor take home. So like I made good money. Mm -hmm. Um, but in 2018, when I finally released the, the chains of the contracting business and taking care of clients, dude, 
it, it's been crazy now spending your time on building your own endeavors, what you can do without having to work for other people. So what I currently own now is I own um, four assisted living facilities. We are developing 75 uh, manufactured home lots right now. We always have three or four flips going, even right now, like even in this crazy time we're going through. Um, I do probably 12 to 15 wholesale deals a month. And then we do another 12 to 15 subject to or seller finance deals a month. So I'm doing 25 to 30 transactions a month. Um, we do, I own now a title company. I own a door knocking app with Brent Daniels and Batch Skip Tracing and Tom Kroll. That's about to get released. I own a digital mobile notary company that's about to blast out. And then I have three or four other businesses that really don't, don't pertain to this, to this podcast necessarily. And I did all of that in 17 months. And I think, I think I want what I want to unpack there, cause there's so much stuff is that not, not amazing things happened to you. You had a, you had a guy that you trusted come to you say, I'm filed for bankruptcy. I can't pay you any money. Uh, those guys are embezzling like in true story from an outside point of view, cause I know you, but I don't hundred percent know you. Like I didn't know all this was like in the last like couple of years. Right. There's so many people that would have ca- called it a day. Like this is what everybody that gets into real estate investing is freaks out about. Well, the, there's going to be a bad plumbing thing. This partner's going to steal money for me. What allowed you to just say, all right, that happened. I learned all this. And then you just keep shooting forward. And now you're in business with people who I, you know, I know a couple of them are, are solid of the earth people. So, you know, a lot of people would have been crippled by, by those failures or those missteps. What do you think has taken? I, I don't, I don't think I know one thing about myself is that if I allow myself any time to think about those kind of things, I will think about those things and I will dwell on them. And so what I learned in my twenties is that I have to do, it's kind of like, I really like what Grant Cardone talks about, where he talks about, you've got to have your back up against the wall at all times. Like he operates, um, you know, needle in the red all the time. And so here's a really good example. So I would, instead of running one business, I would have, I would find a business. Oh, for like, for example, we have a cold call business, right? So we have cold callers in the Philippines and cold callers in Mexico. So part of getting into wholesale requires you to go hire cold callers, right? Doesn't require it, but it's a good move, right? As you're scaling. So instead I go, okay, well, I can have synergies between these two companies and I can leverage my experience and what I need here to go build another vertical and go build another business. What happens is now I'm so busy with creating new products with really amazing people. I don't have any time but to take action all day long, right? There's a pressure on me. That pressure a lot of times comes from my partners, the pressure from making sure my employees are taking care of, not just their paycheck, but like building their futures as well. Like we just bought a subject two on Sunday that I'm giving to one of my employees who've never owned a property before. I'm, I'm, closing, I'm closing escrow on the house, handing them the keys and they take over the payments, right? So like those types of things I should be spending my time and my brain power on. If I allow any free time, right? Any free time, I will think about negative things because I'm human. So instead of me trying to construct a world or construct a brain that avoids negativity, I create a world that doesn't allow me to have any negativity in it. Mm -hmm. Right. So even like something just got people in your life, meaning everybody, right? 
everything. Like, I, in fact, I just had something pop up 45 minutes ago. Somebody brought a problem to me. I go, I have no space for that in my world. Please remove that. Either remove that problem or I have to remove you from my life. Mm-hmm. That was my reply. And I didn't say it so uncouth. I said it with a lot more bedside manner. Basically, I just said, look, I have a lot of things going on right now. I've got to focus on those things. So if there's a problem that I'm going to have to continually deal with because you're, you know, you are involved in my world, we've got to change a couple things. So I was ambiguous, but they understood what I was saying. And I just know, so there's, that maybe the secret is that there is no secret, right? The secret is create your, like what you're doing, create a podcast, go create things. We are, we as human beings want to go create, right? Which is what's so cool about what you're doing. Like people don't understand, like you've got to get the right headset. You got to get the right software. You got to get the right microphone. You got to have scheduling. You got to have all this stuff in order to do a podcast. So now your brain is thinking about 15 other tasks around a positive activity instead of dwelling on the bullshit. So, so just to, and you don't know this, so I'm going to drop this on you, like right on the podcast. Uh, and I'm just using my myself as a case study right now. Uh, I got laid off yesterday uh, at at, at 12 o'clock. And I still did two podcast interviews after that. And so this is, dude, that's amazing. I And I did three today. So, so, you know, everybody's trying to say, Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Like, I'm like, fuck your, fuck your sorries. Like I ain't got time for that shit. I'm building three businesses. I got money in the bank. We just sold a house. Like it's a gift. And and what is funny is because I don't drink anymore. And I used to be an alcoholic. The old me would have got that phone call at 12 o'clock and been drunk, passed out at three o'clock. But instead the new me surrounded by the right people with the right mindset. And just like you said, I got my new podcast. This is great. You pour yourself into that instead of go down the negative rabbit hole. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And the thing is, is like I create, so I call them vacuums. So like your podcast is a vacuum. It actually, because you've put it out into the universe, it now has a requirement. So for example, you send me an email, right? You've now created a vacuum that now you are required to reply. Otherwise there's social pressure for you. You know what I'm saying? Like there's an issue. So I create vacuums. It's the same thing with like, this is a weird way of the way I invest as well. Like I know that if I don't create vacuums for myself, the universe will create vacuums for me. So for example, if I hunt, if I have a hundred thousand dollar flip, which like right now I have a $85,000 check coming to me tomorrow on a flip. Okay. If I already have not planned on where that spent to spend that money and I just think, Oh, I'm going to put it in the bank. Yeah. The universe will create negative vacuums to suck up that money. Wow. That's so cool. what I do is I already know like almost to like the last $500, like that money comes in, it goes into this, 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 and this, and I don't see the money. Therefore, negativity can't suck it up. Because you, you ever feel that way? It's like, bro, I just made 10 grand and all of a sudden I got $10,000 of erroneous crazy shit. All, all the time. And, and the thing is that people don't understand is that if you – if you allow those those vacuum sucking people or those vacuum sucking things like I, i'll just like true story I, i'm training for three iron mans this year i had a guy that's working with me new kid and i was like training really hard one day like nine fucking hours all day right and he texts me like know your limits bro i lost my mind on that text i go let me tell you something you motherfucker i said if you ever say <laughs> limits to me one more time 
I'm going to lose my mind. And, and what I'm saying by that is like, I'm creating three businesses right now. I've got the podcast. I've got my wife, I, you know, all the, and same with you, you got a kid, a wife, like what, what I can do in one day or a week, don't compare me to you. Like right. I know what I can take in. And yes, sometimes I might overwhelm myself. I'm sure you feel that sometimes. Oh, I have, I, that's, that's part of creating vacuums. You have to overwhelm yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the question is, is like, what, you know, and I, I watch you and you're flying around the United States and you're doing these meetups for free and you're, you're, you're getting on phone calls with people, you know, to sell their sellers. What a part, what, what started that whole thing for you that said, I'm just going to add so much like nasty amounts of value, like over indulgent. I can imagine that's, that's given back to you. Like, tenfold um you know i've so i'm a pisces which like if you believe in any of that stuff um which i don't necessarily but for some reason pisces like fits my personality really well or maybe i've manifested it in my own life i don't know but um as a pisces what i do is i want to solve everybody's problems okay so like your problems become my problem right so the the way a lot of people will listen to this podcast go how did pace allow this guy get over a million dollars in arrears on him it's because I felt bad for the guy. So I kept helping him try to build his business by funding him, right? So I've always been a value value first, I'll get something back in return later type of guy. And the thing that I'm usually work, looking for, which is a problem for me and my family, is I'm typically looking for the value to be emotional income. So yeah. like, I want somebody to be like, thank you so much. Like that feels as good to a personality like me as a $10,000 check. I weirdly. Right. And we all have that as human beings. I think mine's more of a sickness. And so when I finally realized the value I was giving for the, to this guy or other people as a contractor, like working my ass off. And then I took that same gift and I gave it to other people that actually like appreciated it. It became a sickness and an addiction, but in a good way. And so like, that's also why so many people has, have partnered with me. Like I could go through all my 13 businesses right now and tell you the partners I have in them. And you'd be like, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. Holy shit. I didn't know you were partnered with that guy. And the reason being is because the value I start out with and the gift I give of my experience or my hard work, holding people by the hand, taking them through, basically here's what happens. People talk about it right? They, they say, dude, I got my first deal because of Pace. He didn't even take a commission. He literally closed the seller, helped me sell the deal. I made $12,000. And when I offered to pay him, he said, no, buy me some sushi and we'll call it even, right? Whereas other people would have charged $40,000, $50,000 for a mentorship and they would have never even provided half as much value as I did, right? So you create that kind of value. These people have no other choice, but, and I didn't do this intentionally, but it, the, the byproduct of it is that now everybody talks about, dude, Pace is help, like helping all these people. And now it's just um, the, those compliments or those posts on Instagram or Facebook that people say about me only fuel my fire even more. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I have so many opportunities coming to me because people go, I want to partner with that guy because he's truly authentic, right? Mm-hmm. He's not fake. He's not running around trying to do all this shit. And he's doing it a different way. I want to partner with him. And so you're right. I unintentionally attracted 10 business partners in 10 different businesses that I had no belief. Two years ago, I would have laughed if you told me like who I'm partnered with. Yeah. 
And it, it came from all those free things that I do for people. And we counted up, my wife and I just counted up, it's cost me $60,000 in the last 12 months to travel around and help people. And I've received zero like direct monetization for it. 60 grand. Yeah. But if you said, hey, would you put $60,000 up to partner with these 10 amazing people with 10 really solid businesses that are all interconnected? It's like all the businesses I own all are somewhat related, right? It's like a, a, a cold call company, wholesale company, subject to business, a title company, uh, subject to assurance company, all these things that I have going on, they all are intermingled. I would have laughed if I, if you said, oh yeah, for 60 grand, you could own all those businesses and be partnered with those people. hundred percent. And I'll say something about that. Cause uh, I think me and you think the same way, but when I met my current business partner, who will be my business partner for, for the foreseeable future, I, I, I seek, I, I seek them out. The three people that I have working with me now, I seek them out. They all took a year to get in my corner. He said something to me because we were in a big mastermind together and he said, hey, I asked 30 people about you. This is what you tell me before we partner. And not one person had a negative thing to say. And that that's right there, I was like, we're good to go. Like, that's amazing because if you think about it, um, and I'm sure you've ran into this, is that even if you go out for 10 years and you do nothing but positive stuff, there's always 10% of people that hate on you. Mm -hmm. And they'll make up and contrive fake bullshit about you because – they're jealous, right? So if you had 30 out of 30, dude, that's like amazing. That's well, cool shit. We have a mastermind that had like 280 people. And one of the goals in the first three months was to, they gave you points to see how many people you could meet, right? And have a 30 minute to an hour call with. Everybody was at seven. You know what I was at? 97. Wow. <laughs> and that changed my life. I can't tell you the relationships I met just from that, those things, right? And so when you talk about your businesses and you have all those interlocking businesses, do you watch, uh, do, or you have done anything with Marcus Simonis? Have you seen him? Do you know anything about him? So he's the guy that owns Gander Mountain, Camper World. Dude's a billionaire, so much things. He has always fashioned all of his businesses to interlock businesses. So he's got a wholesale car company. Well, then he gets a car lot. Well, then he buys six clothing companies and puts them all in one store, but then buys a distribution company that puts out the clothes, right? Love and it. so what we talk about in my company is we want to be a buffet to investors. We're an all the you can eat buffet. We're going to, and see like in, in my businesses, I, I kind of, if I would imagine I carry the same role that you do, I'm more of the overseer. There's an integrators all along the board because I'm not that guy. And then I am kind of the rah-rah and then the driving force, but I'm also the inspirer. And I found that it was changed my life of self-awareness. And when I realized that I was a, I mean, I am an assassin at finding talent and then polishing them up and putting them in the spot. And that's kind of changed my life when I removed, like true story. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on in my like he said something to me today and I was like, Oh, that's happening in our business. Cause he's running the business. Right. I'm out there getting clients. Right. And you, I think you had to probably have that moment about. Yeah. I have it all the time. And I, it's a challenge is like in, with my team, um, you know, for a long time, people relied on me for certain things. And so I'm in a point now where 
I wish I knew what I know, you know, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know now in terms of like, here's your personality, stop trying to take on too much, rely on other people. And if they ask you to do something, push back on them and say, that's your job, right? So like my partner, Cody will call me and ask me questions about such and such. I go, you know what, you know, who should we, we should ask about that? And he's like, who? And I go, this guy named Cody, I know he's my partner. All right. And I throw it right back on him. I go, I don't know. I don't know, nor should I know because I have a partner that does know that. And he go, he's younger. So like part of that, he hasn't been yeah. through what you and I have been through in terms too, of like too. Yeah. business structures and business things that have to be taken care of. So something will pop up new in the business as you're scaling that didn't exist three months ago, as you know, and then the new task comes up and he's like, Hey, what do you want to do here? I go, that's a great question for this guy named Cody. Yeah. I, you know, you might want to call him. So I'm going to ask your advice on this because you're, you, you've got all these businesses and I'm going to get selfish for a moment. In the last couple months, we've, we're creating other businesses. I'm creating my own wholesale company as well too. Um, we haven't launched yet. It's going to be a lot of me. And I've, I'm, I love everybody. So I'm quick to jump in a business with everybody and they don't live up to the expectations, the communication. Maybe I didn't set them right, whatever that case may be. And I made a conscious decision uh, a month and a half ago that I'm going to let the deals drive the business. Yes. Like meaning if we, if you show me that you do the work and you actually follow through on the deals, then we'll talk about creating businesses together. Right. Right. I mean, is that, is that a proper way to look at it? Yeah, or and that's what we did. Um, I, I've made a lot of really bad decisions. In fact, like most of them, my, my wife called them out before they were like crash and burn. My wife always does that too. <laughs> you know, and, but um, what happened is um, I partnered with like best friends. I partnered with people I went to high school with. I, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Cause I'm thinking, oh, I like this guy. We have so much in common. We're going to be successful. But then I read the book Rocket Fuel, right? Mm -hmm. And talks a lot about integrators and like, do not partner with another visionary, right? Mm -hmm. So when I met Cody, my current partner, we dated for multiple months. And what it was is I said, okay, great. You're the integrator. You have leads, but you can't close them. I'm a visionary. I can close and get deals done if we can get X amount of deals done together. So we met in January, we ended up partnering in June, but from January to June, we probably did 20 deals together. Right. And it was like, okay, we like each other. Now we can go open a bank account. Mm -hmm. So literally we were JVing on everything together with full transparency in the hope and the wish we were like outwardly said, we want to partner with each other, him with me more than me with him. Because I'm 36 at the time, 35 at the time, he was 24. And I said, dude, I've partnered with people that just simply do not carry their weight, right? Not even 10% of what they say they can do. And I feel like I'm constantly holding the bag on everybody's, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So he showed himself and four or five months later, I said, okay, man, if we can get to this number, let's partner together. So we created a company, put a bank account together. And now him and I own in the last in less than eight months, him and I have went and built six other businesses together that are all, you know, cranking away. Yeah. And so I basically surrounded myself with my current business partner, who's the exact opposite of me and my right hand uh, podcast producer, all, all stuff, everything is the exact opposite of me, both of them. And it, it, it has changed my life because I don't live in the weeds anymore. Like they're like Austin, they just wind me up and I network out. You know, and I and I meet clients and I fly around. It's it's the best. It's it's changed my life. Yeah, I mean, and the reality is like my partner Cody appreciates 
the position he's in as well, as much as I appreciate my position. Mm -hmm. And the more I just take full ownership of who I am and what gifts I was given instead of trying to control everything, that's the hard part. So like in rocket fuel, there's a chapter that talks about as you scale in your business and your integrator and your people start taking things off the visionary's plate, the visionary will have this issue of disconnecting. In fact, he'll come back and he'll get involved because he's like, gosh, damn it. You guys can't do anything right. Let me get, come get back and get involved. And they're like, that's the moment you have to fight. You have to go out and go create more and force your team to really, um, and don't have the feeling of I'm no longer important because I'm no longer the guy signing the contracts. That was a hard thing for me is like, I see my team signing contracts now without my involvement. And I'm like, oh shit. That's like Michael Jordan sitting on the bench watching Scottie Pippen win the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a, it's a tough thing to, to watch, but it's a necessary evil in order for you to scale and grow your business. hundred percent. And I would venture to guess, I mean, I don't know her. I just know of what you speak of her on social media, but I would imagine a lot of the reasons that you're allowed to have as many businesses as you have uh, and the success that you probably breed is, is your wife. Right. And how much of a part oh, does that pay that she's bought into the, the madness per se, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a couple of good things, right? Her and I, when we met, we were both already adults, right? So it's not like I married a 19-year-old girl that was like fresh out of high school and hadn't lived life. Like my wife had had a child. She had, she was going through real estate school on her own. Um, her parents had just gone through the 2008 crash as a contract. Her dad was a, like a really big, big builder here mm-hmm. and he lost everything. So like my wife had lived life, right? And so she's never been a woman that wants more than just true happiness, right? So the thing that I think frustrates my wife more than anything else is that certain people I allow into my world because she's like, you have a gift. People really need to earn the right to have access to your gift and you give your gift away freely, right? So there are moments where she gets frustrated justifiably. And then here I am just like you, I'm sure with your wife, no baby, like you don't understand and this, that, and the other. And next thing you know, she's right. But my wife is highly supportive. Um, she knew when we met that I'm my biggest hobby is working, right? Like I, it's not just my profession. It's also what I enjoy to do. So let's take like a, t- I have a buddy that is a, um, has a nine to five and his nine to five takes up probably 50 hours worth, worth of work of, of him a week. Then on top of it, he goes and has hobbies of like bow hunting and fishing and this, that, and the other take up another 20 hours of his week. Mm-hmm. So his wife doesn't complain to him about working too much, mm-hmm. even though technically he's away from the house, probably the same amount of hours as I'm away from the house. It's just that I don't really have hobbies except work. So I have had to have conversations with my wife and let her know like, Hey, I know I'm working a lot, but this is also my hobby. So you got to understand this is not just like a 60 hour a week thing. This is like, so we, you know, I'm sure you do too. I'd be curious, like how you set your schedule with your kids and your wife. Like for us, I give an, I get an hour in the morning and then I'm usually two to four hours at night that is like dedicated. So five hours a day, you know, 30 hours a week is dedicated to my family. And Sunday is literally like, if somebody calls me on Sunday, they get the 10th degree. It's like, don't call me on Sunday. Yeah. What about you? Well, we don't have kids, uh, so it's a little different, but you got to understand, me and my wife both came from the restaurant business 20 plus years. She's a caterer for weddings. What's that's, happened, that's a chaotic business. Yeah. I don't, don't even get me started. But what, what, <laughs> what, what has happened over the last 
True story. I'll put myself on trial here. I wasn't comfortable enough in myself and I was seeking validation from others so much that I would answer the phone at nine o'clock at night. I would, and I'm building this Airbnb business and I would let the guests talk to me at 11 o'clock at night. I mean, like it was running my fucking life. My wife looked at me and she goes, you look like you're going to hurt somebody. And I go, I'm physically (laughs) like this, this business is running me the fuck over. And I'm, and not only that, I'm letting people run me over. And when I started working on myself and I started realizing that I didn't need anybody else's validation, that's when it started. Now, I won't lie to you. I'm still a workaholic, but I have got way better at like, after like six o'clock, you can't really get me. I'll put stuff off to tomorrow, but I tell you what it was. And, and you'll know, cause I saw you that day, that day, I don't know what it was about when I spent the whole day with Templeton. Uh, he listened to me all day, right? You know, Hey, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. And then like four o'clock we're in the car and he goes, Hey bro. Um, I don't really do a lot of new construction, nor do I care about uh, your businesses. So why are you trying to get, validation for me and that's when it was like holy shit and that changed my life and it was kind of a combination of my mentor kind of working on me for the last six months and I realized that what Templeton wants out of his life and his business for his kids is his own right and so I needed to have my own and when you when you get to that space oh nothing else matters that changed my life right and I'm, yeah, and I'm it's, sure. pretty, it's pretty amazing. Actually, I was, I was talking to my wife. Because what your life, what your life looks like, 90% of people would go, oh, he doesn't give a shit. He's working all the time. And it, like y'all love that stuff. Like, so, you know what I'm saying? That's you. Like right. that's your life. Well, I'm lucky enough. Like I actually, my wife actually is um, our listing agent and she's also sometimes on my personal deals. Cause I get a lot of deals from probate attorneys that don't really have anything to do with my wholesale business. And so those deals just go through me, not with my partners or anything like that. And my wife handles those kind of things. So we get to work hand in hand. Sometimes it can get tense, right? But like overall, like even today, I, was, I went to my wife. I go, do you see what's going on in the economy? And my wife looks at me and she goes, we're going to be absolutely fine. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. She's like my foundation and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, I'm not worried about it. She's like, sweetheart, it's actually going to be better for us. So she like she puts a positive spin on it and all that. It was, it was much appreciated. So true story. I last year started a company with two guys. Don't need to get into all the details, but I lost money for the first time in real estate ever. I had huge wins, huge wins. And I, for two days was just ripping myself apart. I'm like, I missed out. This was my one opportunity. I blew it. The shit hit the fan. And she literally looked at me in the car and she goes, Hey, pussy. (laughs) pull it together she goes are you the one that tells me that there's always more money the next day and i went yep and i straightened up and it was like all right well let's and it's amazing when you have that person that is your ride or die right Right. there with you and she's supporting you and that is better than any business partner or any you know because that is true that's you're in the trenches together right? right so but I, I buy, I got to give the guys the most value. So we're going to spend about six minutes and you tell these guys basically what you're, you're kind of getting known for right now. You are the sub to subject to King. This guy is buying properties 
at mass scale. And I think that the economy that we're headed into is going to be ripe with these type of deals of people trying to get out of deals. So we're talking about guys, creative financing, low money down to get you into the business. This is going to be key moving into the economy we're moving into. Don't you agree? hundred percent. Actually, my wife, so my wife and I, when we first met, it was funny because we missed the downturn of 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, whatever, right? We weren't in real estate at the time. And so my wife, well, my wife was in real estate, but not as an investor, right? So now forward into the future, now we're both in investing. And my wife for like the last several years is like, I can't wait for the next crash. I can't wait for the next crash. I can't wait for the next crash. And it wasn't until about two years ago that I truly bought into that because now I realize we can buy houses no matter whether there's lending being given out or not, because all I simply have to do is take over somebody else's debt that I don't even have to qualify for, right? So like Sunday, for example, I get a wholesaler calls me up. Hey man, I've got this lead. She has no equity, but she has a lot of pain. Um, she bought the house a year ago, freshly updated, really nice house. Um, looks like it can cash flow. Do you want the lead? Duh. Of course I want the lead. So I go over to the house. I recorded the whole conversation, by the way, it's in my creative financing group. I record every conversation with a seller. So, cause people ask all the time, what's your script? Send me a copy of your script. I go, my script is different every time I talk to a seller, right? Depending on the pain. So I go over there, I talk to the seller, I record the conversation. So if anybody on your, you know, any of your audience wants to hear that, go to my Facebook group. It's free. And you guys, you have to be in this Facebook group. He is it's crazy. So much value. It's just, un, I've never seen anything like it really. It's, it's bonkers. So we'll, we'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. So I go to the, the house and the seller says, well, I want X amount of money down. And I, okay, I understand what you mean with subject two and yada, yada, yada. And I go, I, I can't give you any money down. I, all I can do is take over your mortgage and I can pay 650 bucks for your moving expenses and closing costs. That's as much money as I'm willing to invest. And I have the confidence and understanding how to structure deals and how to talk to sellers that I could go buy a house like that every single day. Now, what can I do with that? I can do five or six different things with it. Number one, you could do an Airbnb business, but I've been telling people for a year, do not do Airbnb because I, uh, I feel like I to, uh, Captain, uh, yeah, it's getting demolished. And it's, it's a tough uh, world. 50% of the business is going to be bankrupt. Yes. 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 So I feel like um, you can do an Airbnb, which is like, I don't think that's a good exit strategy, but the best exit strategies are number one, if you don't have money, if you literally have zero money, you're a wholesaler and you're broke, right? And you're just putting money, you're working a nine to five, you're putting a little bit of money in the side. You can do deals that nobody else can touch, like that deal. Literally, a wholesaler sends me the deal. And this is a guy that's been around for like five, six years. Very, very well connected. He says, I can't do anything with this deal. I take it and we'll probably make twelve dollars or $13,000 on the upfront and then probably $600 on a monthly basis. How am I going to do that? I basically take the cost to get into the deal, which is about 5000 bucks. That's closing costs, my first month's rent, a little bit of cleanup. And um, 650 bucks for their, their moving expenses. I'm all into the deal, let's say $5,000, right? What I do is I have my escrow 60 days, okay? During that 60 days, my contract allows me to find a buyer for that property. And that buyer is going to buy that house from me on either A, a land contract, which basically means I'll sell the house to them 
they don't take title. They don't have, they don't have ownership of the property until it's paid off or I'll do what's called a wrap. Okay. So a wrap just essentially means I go find a buyer who can't get qualified from a traditional mortgage and surprise, surprise, how many people do you think are going to be popping up all over the place over the next two to three years? Uh, about 60% there, Pace. A lot, right? So you're going to have a lot of people that might have ten, fifteen thousand $15,000. They want to buy a house. That, but they the, probably have got filed for bankruptcy or got their house foreclosed on in the next- Divorce. They, they only have one income. Six to like eight months, it's gonna, you're going to see it. It's going to be insane. So those buyers are out there right now. Think about where we'll be in a year, two years, three years down the road. So utilizing creative financing, I can sell that house that cost me five grand to get into. I can sell it for $15,000 down at a higher interest rate and a higher payment so that I not only make 10 grand up front, right? So 15 grand down, they cover my five grand to get into the deal. Plus I take the $10,000 fee. Then the payment on the mortgage is $700, but the rent rates in that area are $1,200. So I can make $500 a monthly on a monthly deal for 30 years and fi finance that person. So I'll end up making $160,000 on a property that somebody else thought was a trash lead. Yeah. Guys, your mind just got blown there. Uh, right. So it's like, it's crazy. So like in the Facebook group, what I did um, last week is I spent two hours on a live uh, Facebook live. And I broke down a deal that um, another wholesaler sent to us. There was no money in the deal for him. And we will end up making over the course of the, that deal, like $362,000. Mm -hmm. But on the upfronts, I'll make as much money. Like think about that. People that are in wholesale, they'd be happy with the $10,000 assignment right now. So I took a deal that has zero equity, found a buyer that can't get qualified, but has some money down. They're everywhere right now. They're going to be like, not just everywhere, it's going to be everybody, right? It's just like, think about 2012, how many people were having a hard time getting qualified for mortgages back in 2012? Because guys, and I want you to understand something, because I come from the money side, private equity, and you know that was my job. You got to understand something. What happens in a, in, a, in a recession and what's happening right now is there's a massive amounts of companies that got their hands in a cookie jar and they lend it out a ton of money and the capital markets are frozen right now. I mean, when I say frozen, bro, they are frozen. Blackstone, cut off, open door, like all these big eye buyers, they close shop. And when you come out of this, their, their restrictions are going to be so tight that you're going to have to be a perfect borrower to get a house. And this is going to last for three to four years. Right. So creative financing is probably, and wholesaling, uh, if cash buyers is going to be the cat's pajamas. That's going to be- well, even, even in wholesale, think about this. So we, I have a mechanism called subtail. Okay. So right. I buy a house subject to, and I take it retail. So think about like, people talk about wholetailing, right? So you buy a house- from a seller, there's not a, a huge spread on it. So you throw it back on the retail market. In my world, I'm not closing on that deal and putting on the market. I'm buying somebody's house subject to, and then I'm putting on the retail market where I didn't have to get a hard money loan. I didn't have to put money down. I didn't have to close, technically close on it. I just keep their mortgage in place. And then I sell it on the open market, right? Some people call that also a... Um, ovation agreement but the difference is i'm taking over their i'm taking over their mortgage they're now out of the house and i put it on the retail market right so 
Um, I think we have three or four of those going right now where some, there wasn't enough equity for a wholesaler to sell it to a cash buyer. Mm-hmm. But even if there was, we do have one deal. I can't remember which one it is, but we have a deal that we're making like $65,000 on flipping the house. But instead of me going and getting a hard money loan, I just took over the person's mortgage, you know, renovated the house and put it on the retail market. So no need for hard money, no need for, need for expensive, like closing and then double, you know, closing again and down payments to a lender and all that kind of stuff. So there's so many different strategies. There's currently nine really good strategies on subject to and seller finance that I feel like you can make as much money on an upfront utilizing creative finance as you can on an upfront of wholesale. Mm -hmm. The problem is a lot of cash buyers are exiting the market and those cash market buyers are exiting the market for two reasons. Number one, they're afraid of the economy. And number two, hard money lenders are going to start tightening up their lending, right? So if you don't need a loan, if you don't need a loan and you just took over somebody, if I came to you and I said, hey, Austin, I know you want to fix and flip. What if I gave you this person's house at 300, which or not 300, but let's say 200 grand that you would have bought at 200 grand, gone out and get a hard, hard money loan. The, the benefit to you is that this $200,000 purchase has a 2.8% interest rate attached to it. You don't have to go get a loan. You can just do your renovation, throw it on the market. Dude, selling those to a cash buyer. Like my, my, my spidey just went up. I was like, Oh man, that's nice. But what, what you got to understand guys from a macro level, and, and I'm trying to talk to the new guys, you, you don't understand the ripple effects that are coming down the pipe in the economy. You see two trillion. That doesn't mean crap. That is nothing because you have unemployment is at 30% right now, guys. It, it was at 2%, two and 3% in two weeks, week and a half. So those people are going to be kicked out of their homes or have to leave their homes. The rental market is going to be strong as anything for the next 10 years. And then, so you're thinking of different ways. And I always thought the number one thing for me was how to get in a house with the least amount of cash because that cash can buy more houses. That's how I've lived my whole life. Right. I had a seller I talked to this morning for some guy I'd never met before. He just calls me out of my Facebook group. Hey, Pace, you know, this is Mark. Uh, I'm in your Facebook group. I've got a seller on three-way. Do you mind explaining to the seller what subject two is? And I'm like, um, yeah, like I was just meeting my, I was meeting my wife at, um, a house we have on Boise that is closing tomorrow or Friday. And I'm like, sure, man, I got a couple of minutes. And he's like, no, no, no. The seller's on the phone with me right now. I was like, oh my gosh. So this is the reason I bring it up is because he says, well, the seller wants $20,000. So I told the seller, I just jumped right into it. And I said, Hey, uh, Tim was the seller's name. I said, Hey Tim, you know, here's the challenge with $20,000. Right now, as the economy is imploding, $20,000 can buy me 10 properties. Yeah. Because I have sellers that are willing to give me zero down, 0% seller finance deals. All I do is pay the close of escrow and I'm into the deal. Yeah. So why would I give you $20,000 and cut off my ability to go buy nine other properties with that same amount of money? Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, so how much money are you will- would you be willing to do? And I go, zero dollars. And the, the seller's like, okay, so how does that benefit me? And I go, look, I'll even, I'll bump it. So like we have a balloon at 10 years, maybe I'll give you five grand in 10 years, but I'll take over your mortgage right now, get you out of the deal. 
I'll give you a thousand dollars down and I'll give you $5,000 at 10 years. And that's all you get. And he goes, all right, what's our next steps? Right. So that, that's the kind of deals you guys got to be getting into is that your entrance to the deal is less than $5,000, maximum 10,000. And then you can sell that on a wrap. You can do a flip with it. You can hold it as a lease option because our lease options will get lease option fees that are $7,500 to $15,000. Mm-hmm. So we're into those deals, $0 out of pocket on a subject to or even a seller finance deal that you know took $5,000 to the seller or whatnot, right? So um, like here, let me walk you through an example. This is another recording in my Facebook group. I meet with a seller on 78th about a month ago. The seller on 78th, that's the street name, 78th, says, well, I want 150 grand. I go, okay, well, the problem with 150 grand is that's retail. So if you're will, if, if I come up to your 150, are you willing to acknowledge I'm not a cash buyer for you anymore? And would you be willing to give me terms? That's how I convert that conversation to a term conversation, right? So the seller says, well, what does that mean? I said, well, basically it means I'll pay you whatever you want, but um, I would have to do it on terms. And they go, I don't really quite understand terms. I go, okay, let me tell you a quick story about an F-150. So I had an F-150 years ago. I went on Kelly Blue Book. I decided I was going to sell it. Went on Kelly Blue Book, found out it was only worth $5,000, but I'm belligerent and I'm emotionally attached to this truck. So I put on Craigslist for $10,000. Did I sell that truck for $10,000? No, I didn't. In fact, I didn't get one single phone call on that truck for $10,000. I go, that's the problem. You're selling a $100,000 house for $150,000. That's why I'm here. Nobody else has bought this property for me. And they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But we just want our number. I go, great. So after three months of me not being able to sell my truck, my wife comes into me and says, hey, sweetheart, why don't you just take payments on the truck? And I'm like, holy shit. So I go back to Craigslist and I change one thing. I said, we'll take payments. I ended up having to shut that Craigslist ad off 15 minutes later because I got too many calls. Did I sell that truck for $10,000? No, I sold the truck for $12,500 with $500 down, $200 payments every single month. And I, so, so I tell the sellers that exact story almost word for word because I've said it so many times. And I go, so I, I'm, the reason I tell you this seller is because you can sell me anything you want at any price you want as long as you give me the terms that I want. So... If I can turn around and I can make money, so I go, why did the guy who bought the truck for me at 12500 why did he pay two and a half times what that truck was worth? Well, he did that because he took the $200 payment and he went out and painted houses utilizing my truck and he made six or $7,000 a month to support his family. So for him, a $200 payment is nothing. Yeah. So as long as you can structure a payment for me, that will allow me to go out and rent the property and make a, make a spread and feed my family, then I will pay you the 150. She goes, great. I totally understand that. Cause I never tell, I never talked about subject to creative finance. I never bring up any of those words. So I tell the seller, um, so what do you, what would you take down? What would it take to get this deal done? She says $20,000 and I want 8% interest. And I go, okay. How about we do $500 down and we do 0% interest? And she's like, why would I do that? And I go, because I'm paying full retail. Like if you want me to do $20,000 down at 8% interest, I'll buy it at 120. 
But if you want me to do it at 150, I'll do it $500 down at 0% interest. And she goes, okay, I really want the 150. I'll do it at 150. But people that don't understand financing, which obviously she doesn't, the way, if you hear the recording, this is how I get her to agree to the 0%. As I said, you know, I'm really not good at amortization. I'm really not good at understanding this because what if I want to make two payments in a month? What if I want to make three payments in a month and like pay that down faster? How does that affect the amortization? And are you prepared to do that calculation two, three years in the, into the thing where I say, can you please update the amortization schedule? And she says, I don't even know what an amortization schedule is. I go, yeah, exactly. So why, why would we put ourselves into a painful position where now we're adding interest and principal versus interest? I go, let's just do interest only. I'll pre-build in your interest into the 150. So we'll buy it at 150, 0%. And then um, anyway, we closed escrow on that deal. It was already renovated. She had family in there. They just simply, here's why they wanted to sell it. So this is why another reason why people are confused with seller finances. They're always asking, well, why does a seller um, give you their mortgage or why did they sell you their house on terms? Well, it's the same reason somebody would sell you their house for 60 cents on the dollar as a wholesaler. They have some sort of pain and they need to solve it. A lot of times, like the house that I'm living in right now, this is my personal house. Um, I bought this house on subject two. So you would assume the pain is similar pain. It's not. Typically, it's like really positive pain. It's like, we want to go travel the world and we don't want to be held down by our rentals anymore, but we really want retail. I can't tell you how many freaking investors I ran into in 2017 and 18 that were like tired landlords, but they just wanted a specific number that they weren't ready to negotiate down from. I could have gone to those people if I knew what I was doing four years ago and said, I'll buy your house, but on terms, I couldn't do it. I would have been cash flowing those properties for three or four years. So Dave, the guy that I bought the house from, uh, or so 78, the story I just told you about her from $500 down for 0%, they um, spend their summers in Oregon and they go, we just want to spend the whole year up there in Oregon and we don't want to worry about the, our rental properties anymore. And I'm like, rental properties, you have more than one. So we ended up buying two properties from them at 0% finance, $500 down on both, Right. What do, they, what do they get? Well, they own them free and clear. So they get a payment from us every single month. Now, because I'm the owner, they don't have to deal with property taxes. They don't have to deal with any of the maintenance. They don't have to deal with the bull crap. Tenants calling them and stuff like that. So there's pain that gets solved there. Now, the house that I live in now, we just moved in here in January. So I've only been here two months. Um, Dave Bayarski, the seller of this property, calls us up and he goes, dude, I, had a, I have a listing um, that's about to get expired. The seller, the agents can't sell the house for what I owe. I heard you were super creative. Can you come over here and solve this problem? Turns out the guy bought the house in 2008, right before the crash. So he owed in 2019, exactly what it was worth 11 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. It came back to where he was. So $425,000. So he's like, I'm back to a point but now his amortization, so this, his $1,900 payment is now paying $800 a month towards the principal because that mortgage has been in place for 11 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is an absolute slam dunk. There's zero equity. But not only does the amortization pay $800 down a month, but I can cash flow this $1,900 payment to a $2,900 renter. Mm -hmm. So my wife, again, as I mentioned earlier, is one of my transaction coordinators. So she came over to sign the paperwork. 
And she says, I love this house. I want to move into it. Mm -hmm. So that's a cool thing is that us as salespeople, 1099, usually a lot of people in this real estate world, ironically, most real estate agents can't even get qualified for their own real estate purchases. They can't. But if you actually utilize creative financing, you could buy 100 houses this year without pulling your credit one freaking time. It's amazing. So that's, that's, what's, that's the power of subject two is that you can buy any property you want by taking over somebody else's debt. And typically at an interest rate lower than you could qualify for yourself, even if you could qualify. Yeah. And you just went to school, guys. Like you just went to school. And, and, and that's, that's what he's given in this Facebook group. And he's got uh, a Sunday night call. I mean, there's so many things. So, you know, we'll wrap it up here. But why don't you tell about all the listeners where they can get a hold of you if they want to see your material, all your stuff you got going on? I would say three things. So you go to Instagram, um, go to my profile. I have like a link tree. You can click on it. It goes to all my stuff. Um, number that's number one, go to my Instagram. I'm active there. I post all sorts of crazy shit all day long. Um, and then number two, go to wholesale hotlines, Facebook group. That's where Brent Daniels, Jamil Damji, and myself do a show every Monday at 5 PM Arizona time. We take live calls. Um, we get probably anywhere between 300 to 500 live watchers and like 3000, 4,000 people watch it in the first day. So high value where there's a lot of, it's a really popular show. And then I have a show on Sunday nights on my Facebook live called Sunday service. And Sunday service is all about creative financing. So Monday I do wholesale Sunday. I do creative financing and I literally, it's just my show. I don't really ever have guests because I'm a long winded guy like you, Austin, like you could probably talk to the cows come home. Yeah. I want to have a podcast that nobody tells me when to stop. <laughs> so we'll go, we'll go um, like from seven o'clock at night till 11 o'clock at night sometimes. And we'll keep a solid stream of 500 people watching it the whole time. See, I hope everybody's ready because I've already realized, like I did one with my coach yesterday, all my podcasts are just going to be the same guest part two, part three, because I just want to have conversations forever. Yeah, uh, that's it. We, we talk about my buddy's podcast up in Austin. We want it to be like, uh, Joe Rogan's where you just talk for like ever, you know, this is the best, absolute best. Because that's when you start in the first 20 minutes, people are present, but as you go, I feel like they start loosening up and some of the gold comes out, you know, yeah, like Elon Musk smoking a joint, you know, it's like, holy crap. Like what just happened? <laughs> uh, I do want to say something and I wanted to save it till the end. Uh, and, and maybe this will be my message to all those guys out there because I've spent time in Arizona. Uh, I said it during the meetup and I'll say it again here. Um, the group of investors and people um, that are doing deals in uh, Tempe, Tucson, Phoenix um, is an inspiring group of people. Uh, and that would be an understatement. Uh, guys, this, these, are, these are guys that compete for the same deals, all of them. And they're all big players. And yet, if you talk to Ryan, uh, which I've talked to a lot, Tempe's my friend. Uh, you know, I've listened to Brent Daniels' podcast, Steve Tran. You know, it really is you're showing the real estate public uh, from afar, as I'm sitting here in Texas, um, how business gets done. And I can only imagine that because of the collaboration, because of the shared knowledge, uh, everybody's growing together to be better investors and people. It's nonstop. It's like, it's, it's like a bullet train. When you, 
And that's the thing, like our, our message on wholesale hotline is all about squad up, right? So it's like, go create your own squad because people ask, how did that happen? I go, here's, here's where Phoenix really got crazy. About two years ago, we went to Max Maxwell's event as competitors. We spent a weekend together as like, we were there in a sea of people from Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, et cetera. And we had really no choice, but just, just to band together during this event, like, you know, and then we came out of that event saying, wow, like we love each other. This is amazing. So for the last two years, it has create a spirit of brotherhood in Phoenix that now Templeton and other people have all gravitated to it. Templeton has his own amazing energy anyway. So now it's like, there's probably 25 very large investors that all have we watch each other's back we're all in a group text and there's like you know it'll be like hey guys watch out for this hey guys i need this okay i got this hey i need an attorney for this but it's like this very very small squad so i would suggest anybody your listeners that are wanting like inspired by by the phoenix crew as well like create your own phoenix crew It, it takes a year it takes two years but create a crew that just runs together like a pack of wolves you know yeah. And, and when you, you'd be surprised, right? When you, like my mentor, who's a massive, dude's a boss, bro, out in Sacramento. And he talks about it all the time. And every time we get together, he says, look, bro, the only thing I want to do is just do dope shit with great people. And I know y'all talk, y'all, that's your little tagline, but, but that is the truth. When you separate money out of the argument, I want to show up every day and feel great. You know, uh, Aaron Wags, this guy that runs this big fund in, in Utah, said it. He goes, don't count other people's money. Yeah. It ain't your business. And when you separate the money out and you just move forward, you'd be surprised how much good stuff comes to you when you're just moving together. Right. Yeah, it's the truth. Well, Pace, I thank you so much. Guys, if you enjoyed this uh, podcast, be sure to rate rate us, share it with your friends. Y'all just went to school on creative financing. I know I'm going to use some of those tips. Uh, Thank you all so much. And uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. You're the man. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.